Welcome to the Relay Trial Podcast interview for the International Journal of Stroke, flagship of the World Stroke Organization. The randomized evaluation of long-term anticoagulant therapy with dabigatran was initiated to demonstrate the efficacy and safety of dabigatran in patients with non-valvular atrial fibrillation for the prevention of stroke and systemic embolism. The International Journal of Stroke spoke to investigator Dr. Stuart Connolly, Professor of Medicine and Director, Division of Cardiology at the McMaster University, Hamilton, Canada. Thank you for speaking to us, Dr. Connolly. Could you please basically outline the results of the trial, highlighting which anticoagulant had the highest level of efficacy and including side effects, potential uses, etc.? Well, the, uh, the RELY study was done to evaluate a new anticoagulant drug called the Bigatran compared to standard therapy with warfarin. Warfarin um, is an effective treatment for the prevention of stroke in patients with atrial fibrillation, but it is limited by a variety of problems, uh, including multiple drug interactions, difficulty in controlling the patient in the therapeutic range, uh, and a uh, marked tendency to increase bleeding. It has been thought that new anticoagulants uh, would possibly uh, improve upon warfarin, but none has uh, at this point uh, or up until now been successful. Dabigatran um, is a promising new uh, direct thrombin inhibitor, um, and the RELY study was the first to evaluate it against warfarin in patients with atrial fibrillation at risk for stroke. This trial was uh, designed as a non-inferiority trial, uh, the purpose of which was to show that the Bigatran was as good as warfarin. However, the study um, had remarkable results showing that both of the two doses of the Bigatran which were studied had distinct advantages over warfarin. In particular, the trial met both of its primary objectives, which was to show that both doses of the Bigatran were non-inferior to warfarin for reducing stroke or systemic embolism. However, the higher dose of the Bigatran tested, 150 milligrams twice a day, went well beyond non-inferiority and showed that there was a significant reduction in the risk of stroke or systemic embolism compared to warfarin. In addition to these impressive results, both doses of the Bigatran were safer than warfarin in terms of bleeding. In particular, the lower dose of the Bigatran reduced all types of bleeding, including major hemorrhage. The higher dose of the Bigatran uh, was a, had a somewhat higher risk of bleeding than the lower dose of the Bigatran. It reduced most types of bleeding compared to warfarin, but did not reduce major hemorrhage. Both doses of the Bigatran reduced the most serious type of bleeding, which is bleeding into the brain, um, by very large amounts, uh, over 65%. There were some side effects with the Bigatran. Uh, there was uh, uh, some upset um, uh, abdominal uh, symptoms, uh, such as um, heartburn, uh, that occurred in some patients, but this was uh, the drug was generally well tolerated. There was a higher rate of myocardial infarction with the Bigatran compared to warfarin, but this is probably not a direct effect of the Bigatran. Rather, it's a reflection of the fact that warfarin is very good at reducing myocardial infarction. In summary, the RELY study uh, has had very impressive results. 
it's shown that both doses of dobigatran provide important advantages over warfarin. Furthermore, the two doses of dobigatran offer unique advantages. The higher dose is more effective uh, than warfarin with a similar uh, risk of major bleeding. The lower dose is non-inferior to warfarin uh, with a, a much improved safety profile. So in the future, it will likely be possible to use dobigatran and to individualize therapy using the lower dose in patients where one's more concerned about bleeding and the higher dose where one wants to achieve a greater efficacy against stroke. So who instigated the trial? Uh, this study was uh, flowed out of um, many years of research that were done at uh, Beringer Ingelheim, who is the owner of the Bigatran and the sponsor uh, of this study. It took them, uh, I think, about five or six years to uh, develop this drug, to test it in animals, to perform phase two safety studies in humans before it was ready to then be launched uh, into uh, a larger uh, study such as we did. At that point, they uh, approached uh, the uh, scientists at Population Health Research Institute, where, where I work, um, and we discussed with them the possibility of us running the study for them uh, in order that they would have an independent um, academic um, and uh, unbiased um, uh, a group working with them, and we agreed to do this. So uh, the Population Health Research Institute um, was the main coordinating center for this study, um, did all of the data collection, performed all of the uh, primary analysis of the study, uh, and in fact did not transfer the final database to the sponsor until uh, all of this uh, had been done. So I would say that this was a collaboration between an industrial sponsor who um, had developed the drug and an independent academic research group who um, uh, helped them test it in the most objective way possible. So was there an independent steering committee? Yes, there was. The steering committee was composed of approximately 40 uh, national coordinators who were uh, mostly cardiologists who uh, were well known in their countries and had experience in clinical trials. This was a global study done in 44 countries. There was also representatives, of course, from the Population Health Research Institute, from other scientific uh, uh, leadership uh, groups, and also from the sponsor. And so was the company actually represented on the steering committee? Yes. So what dose of dibagatran would you recommend? Uh, both doses of dobigatran that were tested have been shown to provide clear advantages over warfarin. The lower dose of dobigatran um, uh, is as good as warfarin for preventing stroke and clearly much safer. The higher dose of dobigatran is more effective than warfarin preventing stroke and has an improved safety profile, but not uh, as good as the lower dose of dobigatran. I would, in general, favor the higher dose of the Bigatran because, in my opinion, preventing strokes is more important than uh, reducing uh, hemorrhages. Most strokes in patients with atrial fibrillation are large and lead to disability. On the other hand, most bleeding episodes were in the gastrointestinal tract, and most uh, patients uh, survived their bleeding episodes without major long-term sequelae.
I do therefore favor the higher dose for most patients. However, in some patients, the lower dose may be appropriate if they're at increased risk of bleeding. There may also be some patients in whom we'll use the lower dose because they have impaired renal function uh, or they're very elderly. Uh, there's, uh, the drug is um, excreted by the kidney uh, to a large extent, uh, and there will be higher exposures in patients with reduced renal function. So you mentioned before that there were some side effects um, with dabigatran. How would you handle the possible side effects of dyspepsia? Well, we're not quite sure on that. I think anecdotally, um, one can say that if you take the pill with meals um, or with some food, that it reduces the uh, impact. Um, and um, there may be some benefits from taking the, uh, the, the pills with uh, in combination with a proton pump inhibitor, but we still don't really know about that yet. Will this now initiate a revolution for AF management? Ah, a revolution is a strong word. Um, I hope it won't be like the French Revolution, which spiraled out of control within only two or three years after um, uh, starting off in such a grand way. Um, I, I think that it'll be um, not a revolution, but a. Um, uh, it would be maybe a, perhaps a better word would be a sea change. Um, in my opinion, uh, we will see uh, this drug take over uh, as the leading anticoagulant and over the next five to um, uh, eight years it will uh, largely replace warfarin for the management of patients with atrial fibrillation. So do you think there should be a public health drive to find AF sufferers now that the bigger trans so effective and with so little side effects? No, I don't think so. I mean I think that um, most patients who have atrial, there's lots of silent atrial fibrillation, but we still don't know enough about screening programs and how effective they are, and we don't know enough about uh, the importance of finding brief episodes of atrial fibrillation. So I think we'll have enough to do just to identify all the patients who we know have atrial fibrillation and identify whether or not they're good candidates for the bigger trend. In many cases, of course, they will be. There will be some patients who should not take the bigger trend. Those with markedly impaired renal function obviously uh, cannot take this drug because it hasn't been tested in them at this point. Patients with a high risk of hemorrhage uh, who would not be good candidates for warfarin may also not be good candidates for the bigger trend if their bleeding risk is very high. Um, and there may be other individuals as well. Dr. Stuart Connolly, thank you very much for your time. You've been listening to an International Journal of Stroke podcast. For more information on this trial, please try the International Journal of Stroke latest edition, Leading Opinion by Graham J. Hankey, at last, a reliable alternative to warfarin for atrial fibrillation. The International Journal of Stroke is the flagship publication for the World Stroke Organization. Please consider becoming a member of the World Stroke Organization. Go online to www.worldstroke.com.